Turn with me in the scriptures to verses we began looking at just a few weeks ago. John chapter 14 and then Philippians chapter 4. In John the 14th chapter and verse 1, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. Now this is the master, the head of the church, speaking at the direction of the Father by the Spirit. And who's the understood subject there on this first sentence? You are not to let or allow your heart to be troubled. Skip on down toward the end of the the chapter to the 27th verse. And he repeated it. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I to you. You cannot find this peace that Jesus is talking about in any other religion, in any kind of counseling or meditation or there's no material thing that can bring this. He's saying you can't get this anywhere in the world. You can only get it from me. And I'm giving it to you. Hallelujah. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. And so he says it again, let not your heart be troubled. He said, I'm giving you my peace. So if he gave us his peace, he expects us to walk in his peace. And so we have something we can be in other than being upset and troubled. Instead of being in anxiety and frustration and fear, we can be in peace. He gave us his peace. Did he do this? So then he charges us again, let not, we'd say, don't let your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. We've talked at some length about just getting our minds renewed to this truth that we can refuse to be troubled. We can refuse to be afraid. Now, most people don't believe that. Even most church-going people don't believe this. People in stress and, and people in crisis will tell you, I I can't help it. I try not to think about it. I try not to be upset about it. But if this was happening to you, you'd be upset too. And the implication is, it's just not possible. If the situation's bad enough, you cannot prevent your heart from being troubled. You cannot prevent yourself from being afraid. And so at that juncture, you just have to decide who's right, Jesus or what other folks think, Jesus or what other people have experienced. It's by faith. 
Whether you understand how or not, it's just a, a choice. I choose to believe what he said. And already, if you choose to believe that, instead of saying I can't, the word will empower you. Now, without his help, there's all kinds of things we can't do. But his word is empowering. No matter how stressed and scared you might be, when the master looks at you and says, peace, be still. Well, Maybe you didn't feel like you could before, but once he has spoken to you, there's power in what he said to enable you to be what he said. How many remember when uh, he was walking on the water and they all got scared? Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And what did Jesus say? Come. Well, Peter couldn't walk on the water before that. But when he heard that word, God's words are not just information. God's words are living and they are empowering. When God tells you to do something, the very words he spoke to tell you to do it enable you to do it. Come on, can you see that? His words are enablements. His word is empowerment. When he says, be strong, there's strength in what he told you. To come right in you. Unless, unless you say, I can't, I can't. I'm trying, but I just can't. And if you do that, you'll block off what was coming to you. No, don't say I can't. Don't say I can't. Don't say I'm doing my best and it's just not working. Don't say that. Say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can. I can. Well, if he told us don't be, don't let our heart be troubled, don't let it be afraid, we can. We can do what he told us to do. It should make us happy. It should make us glad. Go to Philippians, please. Philippians chapter 4. He talks about this in this book. Philippians 4 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Let your moderation, now that other translations bring out your forbearance your considerateness, be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Verse 6, be careful for nothing. Now the word careful here means uh, anxious care. We'd say worry. Worry. Be careful, be, be anxious, worrying for what? Nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Other translations say, for nothing be anxious. The Amplified says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Is that possible? I got about four amens. Is it possible? Now, do you know why I keep going over this? 
I'm not redundant because I'm trying to fill time and don't have enough material. (laughs) Do you know why I keep going over this? Most church going people do not believe you can keep from worrying. They just don't believe it. And so they're stuck. And we're not pointing a finger at anybody, judging anybody. All of us have feared too much, worried too much, got upset too much. But the question is, do you have to live that way? Or has the Lord called us up to a higher way of living? You believe it? See, the enemy, this is one of his chief tactics. And he's so subtle and crafty about it. If you're not aware of what he's doing, you will be upset about something all the time. As soon as you get a handle on one thing, something else is going to be bugging you. And it's a tactic of the enemy to keep you worked up, mad, aggravated, hurt, scared, worried, anxious, upset. About something all the time. But the scripture tells us, be careful for nothing. nothing. Rejoice all the time, right? Don't even let your heart be troubled. Don't even let your heart be afraid. Is it possible to live like that? Day in, day out, not upset. Little things happen, not upset. Terrible things happen, still not upset. Is it possible? He didn't say, don't let your heart be troubled unless something really bad (laughs) happens. Then, of course, you won't be able to help it then. No. No. Somebody said out loud, I believe Jesus. I believe what he said. How in the world could that happen? He told us, I'm giving you my peace. That's how we can do it. We can have his peace. His peace. In the midst of every situation. And that's what this goes on to talk about. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Verse 8, King James. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Everybody say, think on these things. Say it again. Think on these things. Say it one more time. Think on these things. On these things as opposed to what? The other things. Verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do them. We just got through saying we're doers. And what will happen? The God of peace shall be with you. He had said earlier in the passage that if we would uh, not, if we'd be careful for nothing, 
pray about it and thank God, the peace of God that passes understanding. Keep our heart and mind. Winds up by saying again, the God of peace shall be with you. This peace, keeping our heart and mind, is how we're able not to be afraid in these situations, no matter what they may be. But the key here, he mentions in the previous verse, what we think on. What we think on. We have a part of this. It's our mind. Now, just from this right here, say it out loud, think on these things. things. Go to Romans 8 and we'll do it this way. Go to Romans 8, please. Don't assume that you know these things, even if you've heard them before. What we're talking about is uh, something very few people develop in in this world and life. Most people are easily defeated by the enemy because they won't control their minds. And he has most people convinced they can't. And so you're defeated from the beginning. But the truth is, your mind is your mind. And you don't have to think anything you don't choose to think. Now this is the truth. God's not going to control your mind. He told you to do it. And the devil can't control your mind. I said can't. He cannot force you to think on something you don't want to think on. But like we said, most folks don't believe that. It's the truth though. And what we should desire is to develop in controlling our minds. We're going to see that more in just a moment, but in Romans the 8th chapter and verse uh, 5, Romans 8, 5, it says, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. As a born again believer, our spirit's alive to God, and we as opposed to non-believers, we have a choice. We can walk just aware of this flesh and this world that we live in, or we can walk aware of the Spirit. And God has called us to walk in the Spirit. True or not? Now when people hear that phrase, a lot of times their mind goes off on a tangent. And they think if you're in the spirit, you must be kind of caught up in a trance and really don't know where you are maybe and, and, and just mostly in a vision. And well, no, he's, he talks about living this way. Well, you're not going to live in a trance. You'd be non-functional. What does it mean? And what it means is you live with an awareness of spirit more than flesh of spirit more than natural and our mind is the key 
Isn't that what he says? They that are after the flesh, they what? Mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the spirit, they mind the things of the spirit. Keep going. For to be carnally minded, or that could also be translated flesh minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How are we going to uh, not fear, not be troubled? Well, the Lord said, don't let it be that way. Spirit of God through Paul said, be careful for nothing and think on these things. Now, just take that phrase. If the Lord says, think on these things, what does this let you know? I have the ability to focus my mind on these things instead of some other things. Or else he wouldn't tell you, think on these things. If you couldn't help but think on whatever came across your mind, wouldn't be worded that way. Think on these things. Think on these things. Hebrews 12 and verse 2, listen to this. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him. Now, how are you going to consider him? Another way of saying that is think about him. Who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be what? Wearied and faint in your minds. What's he saying? If you consider the wrong thing, you don't consider him. You will get weary and faint in your mind. To be carnally minded is death. But... If you consider him looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, thinking about him, talking about him, instead of that, you won't get weary and you won't faint. Does it matter what we think on? It is a matter of life and death, what we think on. And yet, the enemy's got most people convinced It's no big deal. Thoughts come. Thoughts go. Who knows? And yet thoughts are not nothing. Where did that thought come from? What's in that thought? The words I'm speaking right now. They would have no meaning unless they conveyed a thought to you. So words are just thought containers. Thought vehicles. God's word contains God's thoughts. That's why they are so wonderful. And his words are life. But the devil has thoughts too. That he will bring to you. And they're not life. They're defeat. They're failure. And he will do his best 
to get you in a loop. Anybody know what a loop is? I know you computer guys know what a loop is. What's a loop? It's something that just keeps repeating. Just keeps repeating. Same thing. Same thing. The enemy will bring a thought to you. I'm not, he doesn't do it so much personally, but those that are working under him bring thoughts and feelings against your mind. You're not going to make it. 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 You're not going to have enough money. We're not going to have enough. You're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. You're going to die. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. And if you let him, that will loop. Even when you're doing other things. That will loop in the back of your mind. And what he wants to do is get your heart full of that. Until you believe it. And the way you can tell is when the heart gets full, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, it's going to come out of your mouth. And you'll find when people let that loop long enough, without even meaning to it, they'll just blurt it out. I'm not going to make it. Well, where'd they get that? God didn't tell them they're not going to make it. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't make it through this. I just can't. And with that thought is a vision of you floundering and failing, of you getting weaker and weaker and perishing and dying young and dying wrong and all these things. Thoughts are not nothing. This is where the battle is taking place. Come on, can you see this, friends? When thoughts come, we must examine them before we just dwell on it day and night. We must examine this and go, now hold on. Where did this come from? What's in this? And you don't have to have any special revelation about where it came from. Just watch what it does to you. If it pulls you down, if it discourages you thinking about it, if it confuses you thinking about it, there's no mystery about where that came from. God's thoughts are life. Hallelujah. God's thoughts are peace and victory and prosperity. Do you believe it, saints? Turn with us to Jeremiah 29, 11. Anybody know that passage of Scripture? God has some thoughts. How could you tell it's one of his thoughts? The Lord says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. So don't try to tell him something else. He knows. I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. What kind of thoughts? Thoughts of peace. Man, when you think one of God's thoughts after him, you think, ah, what a thought. That's a great thought. It's a thought about you being more victorious than you'd ever been. You being more blessed than you'd ever been. Hallelujah. You being more free than you'd ever been. 
Things that the enemy and other folks said couldn't be fixed. Being fixed. You think, that's a thought there now. That's what the Lord said in Philippians 4. Think on these things. God's thoughts are true. God's thoughts are just. God's thoughts are pure. God's thoughts are lovely. God's thoughts are good reports. Hallelujah. God's thoughts are virtuous, praiseworthy. Hallelujah. It's not all that hard to discern God's thoughts. They're good. Good. And a devil thought is bad. (laughs) It's not hard to discern them. You can be going along doing pretty good. You see somebody smiling all at once. Hmm. You, you can see their, their countenance just fall. What happened? Bad thought. I mean, it's obvious. Bad thought. Where'd that thought come from? But instead of doing something with it, a lot of times people would just let it sit there and loop all day long and all night long and act like I can't help it. Lies. I said lies. Your mind is your mind. Hallelujah. God's given us his peace. We can choose to think on these things. I know the thoughts I think toward you, said the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Thoughts of peace. Good thoughts. Glory be to God. I said glory be to God. I believe it. Don't you? Go with me over to James please. James chapter 5. This could be. One of the most significant messages you've ever heard. I know there's not any big fanfare. But it's the truth. Your life can totally change. If you can develop and discipline what you think on. You can absolutely shut the door to the devil in your life. And open both doors open wide to God. There's some other things you're going to shout about here in just a minute when we get to it. So get your shouter tuned up and, and ready. James chapter 5. Well, let's see, I'm moving too quick here. Go to James 1, and down about verse 5, James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. God gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. Let's take this seriously. If you don't know how to deal with something, you don't know what's going on, ask for the wisdom of God, and what did he say? He'll give it to you. What that means is you will be clueless one minute and then you'll just know. You'll just know what's going on and you'll just know what to do. The wisdom of God is wonderful. Verse 6. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think 
that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Keep going. For a double-minded man is what? Unstable. In all his ways. And here is the revelation of why people are unstable. Whether it's me or you. Well, read the verse. Double-minded. Duo is the Greek word. We're not supposed to vacillate between thinking the problem and what the Lord said. We're supposed to fixate on what the Lord said. And not let ourselves be troubled and put into fear by these other things. If we don't, if we say, well, the Lord said this. Oh, but look at this. Oh, man. Yeah, but it's going to result in instability. Instability. You don't want to be unstable. You want to be stable. You want to be solid. How do you get there? With the mind on these things. Think on these things. It's a choice. Anytime you you feel your soul bouncing around and you just feel insecure and you just feel like you don't know what to do and what's going to happen, how this thing's going to turn out, you know right away you've been thinking on the wrong thing. You've been looking at the wrong thing, thinking on the wrong thing, talking on the wrong thing. How can I get stable? Christians have just tried to pray and beg God continually and hope that he will just fix everything. Only to find out it didn't work out that way. God's not going to control our mind. He told us to do it. And he get, Jesus gave us his peace. Right? To do it with. But if we don't control our minds, we will be perpetually unstable. Yeah, I think we will. Now, I don't know if we can. I hope so. Yeah, we will. I don't know. Unstable. I said unstable. The devil is a master at deception. And we just, the only thing we can do, we can't try to match wits and reason with all the stuff he could bring to your mind. What we've got to do is just change the channel. Amen. Don't try to listen to two programs at once. Right? Let me give you some really good advice. Really good advice. You ever tried to talk on the phone and somebody's trying to talk to you while you're talking on the phone? <laughs> How'd that work out for you? You didn't like that, did you? It upsets and bothers people. But a lot of times people make the wrong decision when they're doing that. All you got to do is decide which is the more important voice. Just because you're on the phone doesn't mean you should automatically ignore whoever's talking to you here. What you got to ascertain, which is the more important voice and then pause the other one. Oh, this is going over big, isn't it? Well, I'm on the phone. Just because you're on the phone don't mean that's the most important thing in the world. That's 
And we live in a technological society where people are almost hardwired to their device. That if it dings, you see a physical response. <laughs> got to get that phone, got to check that text, got to, got to, got to. <laughs> but reason I'm saying this, this is a problem. What that means is that you're easily distracted. And that you're too easily interrupted. Now, if what was coming on the text is the most important thing right now, well, okay. But it's not going to be every time it dings that that's the most important thing. And we cannot take in all of the inputs and be stable. You will be double-minded back and forth. A lot of people pride themselves at what multitaskers there are. But you really cannot truly multitask. Flying a jet airplane in bad weather, low approach, difficult, you would think you're multitasking because, buddy, you got, you're scanning about 20 instruments, you're talking on the radio, you're descending, you're controlling speed, you got a lot of stuff going on. But what I have noticed, you cannot look at two gauges at the same time. So what people call multitasking is just going back and forth between things quickly. And when you look at this, you're missing something here. And when you're checking your text while you're driving down the road, ain't nobody that good. As long as nothing's really going on, you may think you're a great driver, but if something comes up and your attention is here instead of here, those split seconds you would have had are lost and gone. You might know what I'm talking about. And the reason I'm bringing these things up is because we must learn and develop discipline to shut things out, shut things off. And when I say shut them out, I mean not kind of, I mean out. And if you don't learn how to do that, you'll not be successful fighting the good fight of faith. Because this is how it's waged. You got to decide. Thoughts will come. We talked about this last time. Paul said the care of all the churches came on him daily. He didn't say he let them stay. He's the one that pinned, be careful for nothing. How many believe he practiced what he preached? Well, then he didn't go around anxious and worried about churches all the time. The Lord showed him what to do. And thoughts will come. You're not going to live in this world And no thoughts and feelings come to you. They are going to come. You're going to be tempted to worry, to be anxious, to fear. But what we got to learn how to do is the moment they come, stand up on the inside and say, no, I'm not thinking this. No, I am not dwelling on this. I'm not looking at this. I'm not thinking about this. And then have enough discipline 
and control in your mind that you don't do it. Now, if it comes back to you 500 times for the days out, you resist it 500 times. But you don't just sit there and let it loop. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? They said this about you. They said this. I thought I thought they were our friend. I thought they were our friend. I thought they were our friend. That's just supposed to needle you until you're enraged. And we, we're acting a fool if we sit there and let it loop like that. You got to recognize it and grab a hold of it and say, no, no, no. I'm not. This thought did not come from God. These feelings do not come from God. So I'm not letting them stay in my mind. Go to 2 Corinthians, please. Everybody say, think on these things. He gave us a list. If it's not on the list, shouldn't dwell on it. 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. There's been a whole lot of talk about spiritual warfare. And some folks have gotten some strange ideas about it. But when it comes to personal spiritual conflict, this is a detailed description of how it works. Verse 5, casting down what? Imagination. That's thoughts. And these thoughts come with video, audio, and feelings. You talk about it, it's beyond a 3D experience. If you sit there, you can get immersed in these thoughts until you are reliving some tragic thing that happened to you over and over and over again or some terrible thing that you're expecting is going to happen to you. You are living it in living color, looping it. But what are we supposed to do with this? Casting, this is a strong word, it means to throw. You've got to grab it. You've got to get a hold of yourself. You've got to get a hold of yourself and say, quit it. Quit thinking about this. Grab it and throw it down. This is not God. The Lord didn't tell me this. This is not right. Fear, I resist you. Depression, get out of here. Come on, are you with me? We're not supposed to just sit there and let it loop. We're supposed to resist it and cast down these imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now what that is, that's exactly what the devil did out at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil with Adam and Eve. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. I don't want your minds to be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You can get a word from the Lord. And the enemy will come and try to contradict it. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree. Because if you do, you'll die. And he said, no, no, 
you won't die. Lying devil. Well, isn't that something? He is exalting this thought over what God said. He's saying, no, what God said is wrong. The Lord told you, he's going to take care of you. You've sown, it's coming back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. He's going to meet all your needs. And the devil will come and say, no, you ain't going to make it. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Look at this. Does that look like you're going to make it? What about this? And you, I mean, these thoughts come with feelings. They are real and they can be powerful. You'll feel like you're not going to make it. And if we're not smart, what will we do? Pull the shades. Tell everybody, don't, don't disturb me. Get out an extra box of Kleenex. Sit down in your most comfortable chair in the bed. Maybe take your eye thing and put it on. Because you know a headache's coming. And just let it loop. And feel sorry for yourself. That's how you can be destroyed. That's how everything can just completely go wrong in your life and you not get God's help. And it's sad because a lot of folks don't know the word enough. They just beg God, beg God. Oh, please God, please God, please God, make this stop. Please God, make this stop. Please God, do something about this. And he told us to do something. And a lot of times if you tell people what the Lord said, they'll argue this. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. If you were in this mess, you, you wouldn't say just cheer up. I can't help it. I've tried. This is not true. No matter what you may be experiencing, it is possible to say, I'm not thinking about that. I am Thinking about this. Hallelujah. And if I'm spiritually minded. What have I just connected myself to? Life. And peace. There will be a flow. Hallelujah. Out of God's thoughts. Into my heart and mind. That will quicken me. The book of Psalms is full of them. So many of the Psalms. Was when the psalmist. Was going through. A difficult time. And he uh, or they said, I'm going to remember the Lord my God. And they begin to talk about what he did when he split the Red Sea. And, and when he fed the children of Israel with manna. And, and he did this and did that. And get stirred up until they're giving hallelujahs. That's right. Praising Yah. Well, is there any victory in this? Is there any? Is this a coincidence that Philippians 4 started off with rejoice in the Lord always and be careful for nothing? This all goes together. You get to thinking about what God has said and what God has done and how good he is, how much he loves you, what a good plan he's got for you, how powerful he is. You quit being depressed. And you begin to rejoice. And that joy is your strength. You get a quickening. You get a surge. Oh, somebody say, I believe it. I believe it. If you do. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, hallelujah. 
Go with me, since we're talking about this. Go with me over to 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. Now, some people would say, well, that's just not reality. If it's a bad enough situation, you're going to, bad enough situation, anybody will lose it. And it's just going to get to you and you're not going to be able to help it. Well, if you believe that, you believe you are helpless to whatever thoughts and feelings are going to come your way. And you will be unstable. (laughs) I don't want to be unstable. How about you? Are there a lot of unstable people around? Oh, brother. I mean, they are up and down and in and out from day to day. You don't have to know who you're talking to. And it's because of this. Whatever thoughts and feelings come to them that day, that's where they are. And they're just along for the ride. But people of God don't have to be along for the ride. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. 1 Samuel 30. David and his men and their families lived in this town called Ziklag. And they had been out on a military campaign. And while they were gone, the enemy came and took everybody. Took everybody's spouse, their wives, their kids, their livestock, their silver and gold, their animals, their everything. And torched the rest. Burned everything to the ground. Now, This would be a trial of a situation. Can you overcome the emotional feelings? Your babies are gone. Your spouse, for all you know, they're dead somewhere. Or you'll never see them again, sold into slavery. Your wealth that you've accumulated, your savings, your retirement, gone. Your house that you just got paid off. Burnt to the ground. Nothing left. Well the Bible said. These men who are. Some of the most courageous warriors. On the earth at this time. Said they cried. Until they had no more power to cry. Because what are they thinking about? My kids. My wife. My, my livelihood, my whole life. And, and they got so distraught until some of them started talking about killing David. Why? I mean, days ago, they thought he was the greatest thing around. Well, they were out with him doing something when this happened. You know, when people are hurting, they want to blame somebody. It's an ugly thing. It's one of the reasons we have so many frivolous lawsuits. People don't want to take any responsibility for anything that happens to them. And if there's a chance to get some money, all the better. (laughs) Well, this is going over big, isn't it? No, we should take responsibility. Should you have even been there? Should you have even done business with them? You understand what I'm saying? 
Should you have even been involved with them? Take some responsibility for not hearing the Lord, for not praying, for not doing what we should do. But anyway, they're hurting. They want to blame somebody else, take it out on somebody else. This is devilish. This is evil. Wanting to take it out on somebody else when you're hurting. Watch about that. Not only should you not take it out on them, you should get out from under this pressure yourself. And David knew how to do it. Verse 6, David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. Well, you can understand that. But, 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 (laughs) David did what? Encouraged himself in the Lord his God. How did he do that? I tell you how he didn't do it. He didn't encourage himself in the Lord by thinking about his kids that were gone. And his wife, is she dead? My my gold and my silver and all my livestock, all my life savings, everything I've built up to this point, my house is smoldering ashes. You can't encourage yourself thinking about that. How did he do it? We know how he did it. Think about the 23rd Psalm. Just that one. So well known. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now these are God thoughts. These are thoughts right out of the bosom of the Father. Hallelujah. They have creative power. They are life and peace. If you choose to think of. He he can keep crying with his men. He can keep letting depression squeeze him. Hopelessness devastate him. Or he can stop that. Is it possible? Is it possible? In the midst of the throes of this kind of situation. To stop it and say no, no, no. This is not going to help me. It's not going to help anybody. What what are we going to do? Set your eyes above. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Begin to talk about him. Begin to look to him. Begin to talk faith. Begin to talk how big God is. How faithful he is. How easy it is for him to do things. How that no matter what, he's got me. He's going to carry me through this. He's going to take care of me no matter what. No matter what, you get to thinking about that. Life begins to come. Instead of saying David encouraged himself in the Lord, Young's literal translation said David strengthened himself in Jehovah his God. Can you do that? Can you do that? Go from crying your eyes out, completely hopeless, to singing and praising God. Can you do that? You can. It's an act of your will. And if. If we can choose. To think God's thoughts. Instead of these things. That have caused us so much pain. And so much torment. 
then we have to acknowledge all that stuff we went through was self-inflicted. We let the enemy do it to us. We could have stopped at any time. Gotten out of the bed. Quit crying. Quit feeling sorry for ourselves. I didn't say it was easy. This is true spiritual warfare. This is how we overcome. Oh, thank you, Lord, for victory in Jesus. He said David did strengthen himself in Jehovah his God. If he just said that, the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside. Put it up on the screen for us. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. There it is. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Now see right here, you're already talking faith. God's going to show me what to do. Can you see this? Instead of just laying there going, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. Oh, they're gone. They're gone. They're gone. They're gone. We got to get a hold of ourselves. Quit it. Stop it. He leads me. He restores me. Keep going. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, are you going to feel some things? Huh? Are you going to see and hear some things? Are some thoughts and feelings going to come to you? Yet, what's he saying? I will fear no evil. I'm not going to yield to fear. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What does that mean? No matter what the devil's doing, God's going to meet my needs. He's going to take care of me. He's going to feed me and mine. My bills are going to be paid. Oh, there's victory in life in this. Instead of slumping over here going, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? They're laying me off. I've lost my job. Uh, My savings are gone. What am I going to do? Looping, looping, looping. There's death in that. There's life in this. There's vexation in this. There's peace in this. There's depression in this. There's joy in this. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. He said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Now we're talking about our cup running over while we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. Now that's not how most folk roll. But that's how we roll. Come on, saints of my life. That's how we operate. That's how we function. Things going bad, we start talking victory. We start talking. Come on, are you with me? We start thinking and talking. Coming up. Coming out. Even in the valley of the shadow of death. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Keep going. Surely. This is no instability. Maybe. We hope so. We're trying. We're doing the best. No, no. Surely. Surely. How's this thing going to turn out? Surely. Goodness 
and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Glory to God. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Does it matter what we think about? It's life and death. It's a matter of life and death. Can you think about what God said in the midst of feelings and temptations and fears? Yes, you can. You got to be strong. You got to choose to, but you can. And if you will, if we will, victory can be ours. We can experience miraculous things. Go on over to 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter. Put up, uh, while we're turning there, put up 1 Peter 5, 7 on the screen. We'll read this before we read that. You're going to 2 Samuel 12. If David could encourage himself in the Lord under the old covenant, why can't we encourage ourselves? In this new and better covenant. Somebody say I can. I can. I can. In 1 Peter 5, 7. He says casting all your care upon him. For he cares for you. Verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil. As a roaring lion. Walks about seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, whom resist steadfast in the faith? How do you prevent him from devouring you? Through resisting him. Now, a whole lot of folks are waiting on some creature with horns and a pitchfork to resist. But how does he come? He brings thoughts, he brings feelings. Temptations to fear, to doubt, to be upset, to be anxious, to be angry, to be hurt. The list goes on. But if we don't identify this and go, hold on now, I got no right to feel this way. The Lord told me this. And the enemy will say, yeah, but, but, and he's trying to exalt this above what God said. And as we learned earlier, if you take the enemy's thoughts, his cares, and you nurture them and reject the word of God, those thoughts can choke out the word in your heart. Now that's a terrible thing. And so God's word won't bring fruit in your life, won't produce results. But we can choose to reject those Thoughts from the enemy and nurture and water God's thoughts and hold to them and let them loop. Huh? Let them loop. He supplies all my needs. 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 By stripes I was healed. Was healed. Was healed. Was healed. 
And you can tell what you're thinking on because it shows up on your face. When you're thinking God's thoughts, your face just lights up. There's life in his thoughts. There's joy in his thoughts. Resist the devil steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accompanied in your brethren that are in the world. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to read this again is because one of the things the enemy convinces people of regularly is that their situation is unique. Nobody knows what I'm going through. But it's just not true. Other people throughout the world are going through similar things, some worse. But the idea is the same thing. If it was this bad in your life, you would be upset too. You would not be able to help it either. And if you believe that, you're stuck. You will be defeated. You believe you are a helpless victim. You are not a helpless victim. I said, you are not a helpless victim. The Lord has made you more than a conqueror. You are not a helpless pawn, victim, slave to your thoughts and feelings that come whatever. You are an overcomer. Come on, somebody say, I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. That means you can overcome those thoughts. And those feelings. And think something else. That will minister life and peace to you. Hallelujah. Now a good example of this again. Is in David. At a different point in his life. When you talk about things that are particularly. Could be particularly. Devastating. Solically. Emotionally. It has to do with your loved ones. Your children, if something bad happened to them, how in the world could a parent not, their heart not be troubled? (laughs) See how quiet it just got? If I lost all my savings, people say, it's unreasonable to tell me, don't let your heart be troubled. If they tell you that you've got a Incurable disease. Well, it's unreasonable. If your spouse comes in today and says, I'm leaving you. I'm gone. It's unreasonable. You're, and see, people will even tell us the, where you're going to go through all these stages of grief. And you're going to have to go through this. And you're going to have to go through. Said who? Amen. Said who? Are you a believer or not? Now, maybe if you're an unbeliever and you don't have God in your life and you got no faith and you got no help, beware of being conformed to the world. And how are you transformed? By the renewing of your mind. And and that's already been happening from the time the service started this evening. Significant mind renewal has already occurred just believing I can control my mind. That's mind renewal right there. And that's already occurring. 
And that will lead to more and more and more. And oh, the devil does not want people of God to find this out. Oh, man, because it just messes up his business. The only way he can get anything going with you is bringing thoughts and feelings and suggestions. And if you just won't even take them, he can't even get it started. But you have to be disciplined with your mind. In uh, 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter, the account here is where David uh, missed God, got involved with Bathsheba. She was with child. The child was born. And the prophet had told David that judgment would come on him and on the kingdom because of the things that had happened. And uh, David fasted and prayed. And his uh, staff and servants had tried to get him to eat. He wouldn't eat. And he just stayed in there and prayed and sought God. And after several days, he saw them, I guess down the hall or whatever, talking, whispering to each other. And he spoke up and he said, is the child dead? And they didn't want to tell him. They said, yeah, he's dead. And uh, David got up. He went and cleaned up. He uh, put on clean clothes and, and came in and asked them to prepare him a meal. And his people were shocked. Second Samuel twelve nineteen. When David saw his servants whispered, perceived the child was dead, David said to the servants, Is the child dead? They said, He's dead. Then David arose from the earth, washed, anointed himself, changed his apparel, came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he came to his own house and when he required, they set bread before him and did eat. Then said his servants to him, what thing is this that you have done? They were taken aback. Because when you hear that your baby is dead, that's when you're just supposed to lose it. And if you were upset before... Now you're supposed to just completely lose it, grieving and, and crying. And, and when he didn't do that, they thought, what is this? You fast and weep for the child while it was alive, but when the child was dead, you get up and, and eat bread? Now, maybe we'll get into this later another time, but the enemy is so, so subtle and deceptive with this stuff He's even got Christians convinced, many, not only can you not help it, but worry and take care and fear if it comes. But if it's about people you love and your family, if you don't get upset, you don't care. So he's got many people believing not only can you not do anything about, but to feel guilty if you don't show a lot of being upset and grief and vexation. But this is the sorrow of the world that works death. And no matter how much you care about that person, all your grieving and all your crying is not going to fix it. Come on, are you with me? And it's just going to make you worse off and weaker than ever. And when you get through, now instead of starting from here, you're going to start from here. 
to try to recover. And the enemy knows that. And they said, what, what are you doing? You just get up, you clean up, you say, let's eat. You see, the ungodly world and even those in the church without understanding, they won't understand when you do this the way you're supposed to do it. It's quiet in here. When you walk by faith, when you control your thoughts, they won't understand it. But if you want to walk in miracles and you want to walk victorious and not give the devil any place in your life, you realize there are thoughts. If I start thinking that and I go down that path, there's nothing but pain down that path. I can heave and I can cry and I can sorrow and I can be depressed for days. And when I get through, all I'm going to be is sick and a broken individual. It's not going to change anything. Nobody's ever paid bills worrying and crying about it. Nobody's ever helped their children grieving and being vexed about it. No. Remember, we're praying. Okay, pray, but you can't pray in unbelief all the time. You got to pray in faith. And when you pray in faith, you don't just ask for the same thing a thousand times. You believe he heard you. You begin to thank God. He said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he's dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I'll go to him. But he won't return to me. Here was a thought that helped him out. I'll go to him. I'll see. This is not the end. Come on, y'all with me? I'll go to him. Is a thought that puts strength in you. Right? People will try to tell you, well, if you go through something like this, you couldn't help but be torn up and devastated for months or years or maybe never be the same. People say that such and such happened to them, it destroyed them. No, they let it destroy them. Because no matter what happened, God's bigger than that. Is he or not? God's bigger than that. Don't say, well, I just don't know what I'd do if, uh, if mama went home to heaven. Well, you know, if you live very long, that's the way it's supposed to go. Yes. Right? Amen. I just don't know if my, if my spouse went home, I just couldn't make it alone. Don't say such things. Amen. You may need to. Yes, sir. And you can do all things yes. through Christ who strengthens you. Now, if you're going to sit there and think about what could have been and would have, could have. Shoulda and what if and maybe and you're just going to let the devil vex you and chew you up and it will all be for no reason. Yes, sir. It will not help you. It won't help anybody else. Amen. Nope. Oh, but God will give you a thought. Yeah. I said God will give you a thought. Yeah. It's a thought of peace. Yeah. It's a thought of a good plan. Yeah. It's a thought of what's happening after this. Yeah. I'm well convinced. I'm well convinced that you and I, as we get more enlightened, and especially if we get out of here and any of this, uh, we're aware of it, we will just think, why did I worry about that? 
That's so nuts. Why did I even think about it? And I spent all that time being upset about that? That's just crazy. It's just ridiculous. When we see it from his perspective, we're going to think, I just wasted so much time being upset and, and being sad. No. No. This life is not the end. And God's bigger than all of it. And he's got me. Come on, somebody say, he's got me. No matter what happens, he's got me. Hallelujah. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. Victorious in him. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Glory be to God. Oh, thanks be to the Father. Just lift up your hands. Begin to praise the Lord. Begin to thank Him. Lord, we worship You. Lord, we give You thanks. Lord, we give You glory. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.